the first state, the diamond state, home of President Joe Biden, the world's corporate capital. Delaware is known for a lot of things, but its identity can't be painted with a broad brush. There are three counties, each with its own unique character, and within each, towns, neighborhoods, and individuals with their own ideas about what it means to be a Delawarean. This season, the Delaware Humanities Podcast, A More Perfect Union, explores the concept of identity, what draws us together as a state, what keeps us apart, and how we can ensure all perspectives are heard. This podcast is brought to you by Delaware Humanities, a state affiliate of the National Endowment for the Humanities. Its mission is to strengthen communities by encouraging all Delawareans to be inspired, informed, and engaged through exploring the diversity of human experience. We thank the National Endowment for the Humanities for its support as part of its A More Perfect Union initiative, designed to demonstrate and enhance the critical role the humanities play in our nation, while supporting projects that help Americans commemorate the 250th anniversary of the Declaration of Independence in 2026. A More Perfect Union is produced by Delaware Public Media, Delaware source for NPR News. Thanks for joining us on the A More Perfect Union podcast. I'm your host, Tom Byrne. This fourth episode in our examination of identity and community looks at the media, specifically its role in democracy, and how that affects how Delawareans and communities here view themselves and the first state. For this conversation, we are joined by Kobe Owens, a community activist and organizer with the NAACP, and State Representative Brian Shoup, who is also CEO of the Delaware Live News Network. Thanks to both of you for being here with us today on the A More Perfect Union podcast. Thank you very much. I'm really excited to be here. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. So I want to start with a, a pretty broad question, but what I'm hoping uh, you can provide kind of a short answer to now so we can start to build our discussion around it, and that is, what do you see as the media's role in a democracy, a democratic society? Uh, Kobe, we'll start with you. Yeah, so I think the media plays a critical role in um, what I, I see as the 21st century uh, fight for democracy, right? So the media is the way um, you get to know what what is going on in government, the transparency side of things, but also on on my end of the community organizer, um, letting the, the people know what's going on um, in any given instance, and also lifting up the voices of those who have been impacted by certain policies that, you know, for decades, um, people haven't had an opportunity to be at the at the table with people. And now we're starting to see media really center in on making sure they're, they're talking to those who are impacted, talking to the people who are at the center of that. Um, and I know Representative Shoup is on here with me today, um, but uh, another guy from down that way, Brian Shoup, uh, or, or not Brian Shoup, Brian Stevenson, talks about the proximity to now, right? The proximity to the issue um, and really focusing in, in on those who are, are more proximate to any given issue because most likely they're going to have the best solutions because they deal with it on every single um, every single day. So, you know, again, I'm super excited to be here and super excited for this conversation. Brian, how about you? I know it's a broad question, but what do you see as the media's role in a democratic society? 
Yeah, media's role in democratic society for me is uh, it's really that that fourth branch of government that is the people. It's the watchdog of our government to make sure that it is uh, acting in a responsible way, that making sure that there is transparency, accountability within the the actions of our government uh, that are set up for us. And, you know, uh, just to kind of echo what, what Kobe was saying, I think that our job as the media is to bring information to those that aren't, you know, directly connected to, uh, directly connected by a, a name or money or whatever that may be in the legislative process, bringing that information that's going to affect their daily lives and then sharing what that impact of those decision makers are going to have on those people so we can understand what that connection really is and how they can how they can be active in, in the role in their own communities. So let's put what you guys have both said, because there seems to be some level of agreement on what you're saying. Let's put it into a little bit of context of what we see here in Delaware. And that is certainly a media landscape in the state that has, has shrunk over the past 20 to 30 years. Uh, not nearly the same number of outlets reporting. Staffs at many of those outlets that currently exist tend to be much smaller than they used to be uh, years ago. Uh, what concerns does that raise for each of you about not only how much news is covered, how much of the things you were talking about actually gets covered and the voices that, that you want to hear in, in that coverage. Um, but you know, how well you know, does the current media ecosystem actually be able to fully report on and give voice to those various communities up and down the state? So, I mean, in, not just in terms of, I guess, the quantity of information, but the, the quality of it, particularly in, as you both talked about giving voices to different communities, are you worried about a shrinking media environment here in Delaware, maybe ha having an issue doing the things that you wanted to do in that first answer? Brian, you can go first. Yeah, I'm, I'm absolutely worried about the shrinking media uh, in, in Delaware, especially what I see as media focusing on national politics and national agendas. And I would, I, I, you know, it's one of the reasons why at 26, uh, 12 years ago, I, I started Milford Live because I wanted to see hyper-local news focused on to impart in our community to let them know what's going on, things that are going to impact them in their local schools and their local businesses and their local government, things that will impact them this week, this month, not something at a global level that yes, is important, but isn't going to affect food on the table, isn't going to affect their, their paychecks here in the state of Delaware. And we need to make a move towards that. There's a very uh, interesting book called Why We're Polarized by Ezra Klein. From uh, He's a columnist from the New York Times. And one of the things that he says, uh, very interesting, is, uh, is that one of the reasons why we're so polarized is because of the lack of hyperlocal news within our uh, within our newsrooms across the country, and that has allowed people to focus on these national politics and national agendas and not see the commonality that we have within our our communities and how we can be active within our our local school boards, our local businesses, our local churches, our local uh, government. So I'm very worried about it and uh, would love and, and and connect with anybody uh, on how to how to get more local news out there, how to get people um, embraced in, in being more active within their community. And I think that's the, that's the secret to, to bringing us back together where we can really focus on the, the people of Delaware. Kobe, how about you? How do you see a shrinking media environment here in Delaware affecting, the, the, again, not only the amount of news that's covered, but, but the, the, quantity, the quality of it and what's covered and what voices are heard? 
Yeah, so I think, you know, whenever you look at something and, and you have less employees working on something, you're going to miss a lot of things. And that's not a knock to the hardworking journalists out there. Um, that's a knock to the, the corporations that run these companies who, over the last decade, have made mass cuts um, and, and really shrinking the size, you know, of the reporter pool, which is sad because you're, you're missing a lot of key um, pieces. Now, there are some things in Delaware, especially, that are that are always going to be priority, right? So like the General Assembly is going to be a priority uh, for most of the, the major papers here um, and media outlets. But it's the little everyday thing. What is going on in our community? What is going on in our backyard? Um, and we had reporters back in the day who knew the community, right? They knew the beat that they were assigned to. It wasn't just always the same voices. They could reach out to almost anyone in any given neighborhood that, you know, if, if it pertained to, um, entertainment, if it pertained to breaking news, if it pertained to, you know, just what is going on in our community. Uh, we've seen in the last few years, we've seen spikes in gun violence. We've seen, you know, us still dealing with a uh, pandemic that's now going, you know, on two and a half years right now. Um, all of that ha has played into the role of companies leaving, companies merging, and companies downsizing. Um, so we still have a long way to go. We still have a lot to do. Um, but I think one of the, the unfortunate things of downsizing our, our media companies and our reporters is we're losing those, you know, just grassroots connections with the community when it comes to lifting up their voices. And I, I think that also translates to the decline of the community paying attention to what's being written sometimes. Do, do you both worry about, I mean, one of the things you mentioned, Kobe, that, that kind of jumped out to me is the fact that, that there used to be a kind of a pool of reporters who kind of knew the community. And a lot of that comes from being in the community for a while, that institutional knowledge. And it seems like nowadays there's also a lot of, some of that institutional knowledge is lost as people are given buyout packages and, and you know, kind of given early retirement options. But even reporters that come in, tend not to stay perhaps as long as usual. Is that a problem as well, that you don't have that institutional knowledge that, that you once had where people kind of, that you had media that understood the landscape they were looking at a bit better? Yeah, I know for me, since I graduated high school and, and my organizing has picked up since, um, the city of Wilmington for, for the News Journal has had four different um, reporters in just 10 years. Um, and while I've had an opportunity to kind of build a relationship with most of them, uh, most people don't get that that long term. And then you take in two years of us being shut in pretty much and only be doing Zoom meetings and phone calls. It's still not building that that person to person uh, relationship that's needed sometimes. Um, and, you know, the, the turnover is high. Um, I, I know a lot of people who they come to Delaware, work here for a few years, then get another job, go out to another state. Um, because they get a promotion, a bigger beat and stuff like that. So congrats to them. But, you know, I, I think it is critical to try to find people who want to stay here for a while, who get invested in a community, because when the journalist is more invested in a community, the writing is going to be even better. Brian, how do you see that playing out, both in your role as a state representative in the General Assembly, but also as, as someone who's also running a media outlet? Yeah, uh, as the CEO of, of Delaware Live, what I have seen looking at our um, our picture from our company, but also at the others, obviously we, we try to stay competitive as possible, is one of the major concerns I see is the loss of, of journalists who have a 
specialized interest. Um, so right now, a lot of in, uh, individuals are hired as generalists. So they'll they'll cover uh, you know business on Monday, on Tuesday they'll they'll do uh, healthcare, on Wednesday they'll do the general assembly, and you're really missing a, an opportunity to have a specialist in in government, a specialist in. Uh, community outreach or a specialist in in government work who really will dive deep into those subjects and understand the culture the community the history of those subjects the the history of um you know those communities and what what it actually is behind the scenes behind what those decisions are being made and that is something that we need to turn around as well is hiring more people but people who are ingrained within those communities and specialized in those communities so they understand that there is multifaceted and multi-leveled approach to all of these decisions that are being made so having said all of that uh, are there places or communities or in some ways i guess what you're talking about brian is beats that you feel aren't well represented in the media here in Delaware. So again, it could be geographically, politically, beat-wise, ethnically. Are there ones that, that you have particular concerns about not being well covered? I think there's a number of individuals, uh, individual newsrooms that cover holistically uh, the city of Wilmington. And I think that they do a, a great job of where they are. So I don't want to uh, you know, push out their efforts whatsoever. I think WTN uh, does a great, 22 does a great job of covering Wilmington. But I think as a whole, I think the media in Delaware does not cover the city of Wilmington uh, like it should. I know that we cover a lot of the uh, government that goes on in the city council. We cover the every single time that they have a meeting and what it, the impacts on the community with the business. But I know even from us, we would love to cover more of the cultural and the community and get deeper into the history and, and all of those very unique things that make the city of Wilmington, Wilmington. And I think that's something that that's been missing for, for decades um, from, from Delaware. How about you, Kobe? Are, are there certain yeah, areas here you feel are undercover and underserved? Yeah, I would agree with uh, what Representative Shoup just said, especially when it comes to Wilmington. I think WITN does a great job in covering Wilmington, but that's only for Wilmington, right? It's very hard to get that channel outside of the city of Wilmington. So therefore, um, what people see, they build a perspective um, that Wilmington is just a violent city, which is not. It's rich with culture. It's a very diverse city, one of the most diverse cities in the nation. Um, you have while while we are a small city, right, we're, we're under 75,000, um, we have a little bit of everything here. Um, and I think that's what makes us unique. But also, I feel as though other cities in towns in, in the state of Delaware aren't properly highlighted. I think, you know, we live in such a silo, right, that the whole state of Delaware would be a neighborhood in the city of New York, right? Um, yeah. And we live in such silos here that we don't get to know our, our neighbors, right? Name another state where you can literally go from a, a urban um, city like vibe to um, cornfields and farmland and then beaches all within two hours. Right. Um, and, you know, you can eat from the tip of the, the state to the bottom of the state. You can, you know, get there in two and a half hours. So using that to our benefit to, to really get to know our neighbors and what's going on, understand the true culture that that we have here and what we have to offer. You know, a lot of people, especially my age, are, you know, looking to leave Delaware because they don't know what's going on here. Um, and I think media will play a role in, in helping build that 
Um, you know, we we have amazing beaches. We we have great little towns. I, I was just down uh, for the first time in a long time, the Bug and Bud Fest in Milford. Um, so, you know, it, it's a lot of little things. We have a ton of great festivals here um, that I think, you know, don't get the necessarily um, the spotlight that they, they should get. And that's because, again, circling back to the earlier question, um, you know, it, it's a smaller media pool, right? It's a smaller journalist pool. So you have to prioritize things to make sure you know you're meeting your your requirements for your job. So Brian, do, do, I mean, I think what Kobe's talking about a lot here is that, is that it, it does influence how not only people view Delaware from the outside, but how Delawareans view themselves. And their perhaps the identity isn't what it could be because people don't know enough about the the state itself within the state. Yeah, I think that's very true. Um, one of the things that I also you know, one of the things that we've done from the beginning, and I'd love that uh, Channel 22 does this also up, up north, is, you know, uh, enough with uh, the, the, the paid subscriptions and uh, the paywalls, because the very people that we're trying to get to understand government or get involved with the schools or get involved with their community, um, a lot of times may not have the resources to uh, uh, to, to pay for those <laughs> subscriptions in order to to get on board. And, and Delaware Public Media has been great with with that as well, saying, "Hey, we want to share as much as we can. We want to show you what the identity looks like. We want to show you what people are doing, and uh, we want you to be a part of it." And I, I think that's a huge. Uh, way that we can push forward is look for other vehicles for revenue in order to uh, let people know what's going on and share that information and and get back on that hyper local level like uh, the news was in Delaware 40 years ago where you had a a paper and a, a beat reporter in in Middletown and then a different one in Smyrna and a different one in Wilmington different one in Milford different one for uh, Lewis and and really going to those specific council meetings and those specific festivals and talking with people within their community. And that's that's really, I think, how you bring um, Delaware back alive is, is showing what these amazing things that people are doing within, within their own community. Within that vacuum of, of news coverage, a lot of times what we see is, is social media kind of fills that void and people start getting their information from social media. Um, how concerned are you about that being a, a primary source of, of information, uh, and and perhaps you know people kind of as I think Kobe you were mentioning you know uh, being in silos that you know that people tend to if they're on social media they're following and hearing from people that are like minded and maybe don't hear uh, from from whether the other viewpoints politically or even from people who are in different parts of the state uh, you know how concerning is that as as a, as a possible trend where. In the absence of media, people just find other ways to get their information that may not be quite as valuable. Yeah. So, you know, uh, really growing up with social media, right? All, you know, um, it's it's been around since I pretty much I was young. Um, so that's the thing, right? Everyone, you know, while my grandfather or grandmother may have read the newspaper in the morning, I read Twitter, right? Um, now, granted, it, it's based on who you follow, right? But I think one of the things that happens with like 21st um, century social media is people get into echo chambers um, where, you know, the conversations that you're having on social media or that you're reading about on social media, again, it's the people you follow. So if you want to follow only one side of things, you can do that. And then that causes for greater division to happen. Um, I feel as though social media plays a critical role 
um, in the absence of some of the traditional media outlets um, and getting information out to the public and really informing them what's going on. It's been a critical tool that we use in community organizing um, to get our message out, to get our message across, to uplift the community as well, too. Um, and, you know, in 2020, we saw one of the greatest um, and largest civil unrest movements um, in, in our, our nation's history, in the world's history. People all around the world was connected through social media, right? And while a, a tragic killing of George Floyd led to you know, people being able to see that video and it being shared and people know what exactly is going on. Also, what was able to be shared is the community coming together, the, the love, the unity coming together, people of all different races, um, different income backgrounds, different religions coming together and standing united. And that's because of the tools of technology, right? Um, the, the tools of social media. So I think, you know, we have to weigh it out, the benefits of it, but also realize um, that there are some negative effects. It's those echo chambers there. Um, and I think as an individual, you have to be more aware of that and, and be aware um, and be active in trying to take a step out of your, your inner circle, out of your bubble um, to assure that you're hearing the full sides of conversations if you're going to, you know, primarily use social media. And again, it's, it's an economic thing, right? Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, they're all free. TikTok, all of them are free, right? Um, now, you can have paid advertisement on it and everything, but um, because of paywalls and stuff like that, people will go um, to social media for their primary source of, of news now um, instead of, you know, going through, you know, newspapers or even, um, you know, the cost of cable has gone up, mm -hmm. right? So a lot of people have switched to just Wi-Fi and maybe a Roku TV, um, so, you know, social media has become their primary source of, of the news. Brian, your thoughts on, on, on the role social media can play both positively and perhaps negatively? Yeah, Kobe, I love that you stated that, you know, people need to proactively go out and find other sources and get outside of their echo chamber because I, I, I preach that every single day. <laughs> and I, I even preach that on social media. <laughs> when I talk with people, we've got our own sources as, as well. Um, there's a really good book called Bored and Brilliant, and it talks about, um, it, 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 it's kind of in the same vein of, of the movie um, Social Dilemma, if you've ever seen that. And it really exposes how um, when you get on social media, it shows you what you want to see. So it starts getting you connected with like-minded people, and it doesn't really show you unless you start liking stuff or, or start proactively going out and seeking stuff that's in, in different from what your foundation is. It won't show you those things. So you have to proactively go out yourself and seek and question yourself, question your own foundation, question your own uh, thoughts on things, which is you know what journalists love to do. So I'm I'm always excited to do that. Um, but it also it also aggressively advertises and markets those things to you day after day after day. Uh, whatever you text message, whatever you talk with your friends is what it also sends you. So it, it, it's a whole new level of marketing that's not only just showing you an echo chamber, but also aggressively selling you those things in the same way. 
But at the same time, you know, it can, if we use it in the right way, it can really allow us to create, uh, again, awareness of hyper-local things going on in our communities and share things that maybe would not have gotten out there with uh, traditional media. And, you know, it's the whole thing of, of the old adage of does art follow life or does life follow art? And, uh, you know, it, I really enjoy that now even traditional, as you would call traditional media, goes on to social media kind of to find out what's going on and, and find out, um, you know, what people are thinking in order to start their journey when they when they start an, an article about something in the community. And that's really important for people to be able to give their opinion and be able to see be seen in that way and not just, um, you know, the rule makers or not just somebody with a fancy title, uh, but somebody on the street level can give their opinion and, and have people, you know, engage with them. And I think that joining media and social media together, if we do it in the right way, can be very healthy to show where our community stands or what, what different parts of our community, how they feel on a, on a specific issue. It feels a lot of like what we're talking about right now is, is media literacy, right? And this idea of people being able to, you know, A, recognize, you know, what are fundamentally sound sources of, of news and information, and also be savvy about how they engage, whether it be with traditional media or with social media. Uh, it, do you feel there, there are ways that we could strengthen media literacy to help solve some of the problems of media and its role in democracy? Um, I'll, I'll, I'll take that if, if you don't mind. Sure. Um, there actually was a bill in the General Assembly, which I, um, and I know everything doesn't have to be the uh, you know, end all with government, and I don't think it is, but one of the, the tools, I think, uh, was a di uh, digital literacy bill that would actually put it into the curriculum uh, for K through 12 that would teach kids that uh, just like, you know, when I, I didn't really have social media growing up. Um, which now all your listeners know that I'm older than Kobe. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but we, you know, we, 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 uh, you know, we would search things on Google and it was the same thing. You would have to, you know, you make sure that you have multiple sources or if you're reading a newspaper or a book, you have multiple sources of uh, where you're going from, from you, you make sure that you see, is somebody trying to sell me something? Is this from an organization that may have a one point of view because what they're doing or what their, their goals are. And those are the things that we need to teach kids about social media, because again, it is a lot more aggressive than it used to be. When I, when I watch, you know, Sunday or Saturday morning cartoons, you know, they would show me a commercial because I was watching cartoons on a toy or something of that nature. Now someone can, you know, text their friends about, have you seen the new Air Jordans? And they will on just a text message and social media, they log on to social media and on different app and it'll start showing ads about those specific Air Jordans. So then that, and that's not only with uh, products, it's also with uh, social groups, with political groups, with all these things. So this is a literacy that we need to teach to show kids to remember, to look for different sources. Interesting enough, I've gotten some pushback for uh, joining on to that bill for digital literacy. You know, some people claiming that it's the state trying to tell, you know, which, which media is right and which media is wrong. Um, but, you know, at the core of it, it's really teaching kids the basics of research, of, of what journalists do every single day. And I think that's a piece of it, but also socially, you know, teaching our kids at home that when you see something on social media, 
make sure you question it. And even my, I, I, you know, even my wife gets tired of me saying this when she says, Hey, have you heard about whatever? And I know she's looking at her phone and I'll say, where'd you get that from? Mm-hmm. You know, where, <laughs> what source did that come from? And she's like, can't we just have a fun conversation? I'm like, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm a journalist. I can't, I've, I've got to know where that's coming from before we can start talking about it. So I, I think it's gotta be a, a social movement as well to say, look, we all, we all have our own priorities. We all have our own thoughts, but our number one priority should be looking at multiple sources and making sure that we're getting as close to looking at a, a subject holistically so we can have the best dialogue surrounding it. And Kobe, is that, does that go beyond just you know teaching kids media literacy? Is that also something that that we need to work on with adults? One hundred percent. You know, I think one of the, the the biggest things, right, is we see on Facebook um, people share all type of articles and just believe it because they saw it on someone else's Facebook. Um, there's all type of scams that are run on people via social media. Um, and I think, you know, just understanding the technologies and the times that we're in, um, everyone can use a refresher. Everyone can use some more information about it. Um, but I think pretty much I have nothing else to add on this because Representative Kashu pretty much hit it, hit the nail on the head with that one um, when just talking about digital literacy here in Delaware. And hopefully we see that bill move. So, so, Kobe, as we kind of move forward in the conversation, then, you, what does all these things that we're talking about mean in terms of building consensus, having people make informed decisions when it comes to, say, voting. Um, it, it, you, you spend a lot of time as a community organizer and a community activist, I, I think, worrying about these kind of, of things. You know, do you feel that there is a path forward to make sure that we create a strong media ecosystem that, that promotes informed decisions and and the ability to find consensus and be able to actually accomplish things as as a democratic society. Yeah, so you know, like I said, I th- I think the media and social media play a critical role in that. Um, it also, you know, I think we need to get back to a point in time where um, we can work with people who disagree with us, right? Um, and I think that comes from understanding what's going on exactly. Um, and that's the role the media plays in it, right? The media um, gives an unbiased stance on where things are. And if you're able to see, look, maybe I don't agree 100% with a certain policy or a certain action being taken right now, but I see some light in it, right? Um, and my neighbor may see light on the other side of the issue, but let's sit down and talk about where we can come together. And that's, that's a conversation that has to be started by outside entities, by the media. Um, going forward, I mean, look, we are in times that are hyper-politicized. Every single issue, issues that have not been politicized over the last, you know, 10, 15 years now are issues that, you know, can't get a bipartisan support on. Um, you know, me and Representative Shoup are from different parties. Um, while we may agree on some things, we also disagree on things, and that's okay, right? That's what democracy and debate supposed to be about um you know one of the things we may disagree about is the passage of hb 75 um and another one that we may agree on which i think is a great bill is eliminating double standards for voter registration for municipalities in the state it's things like that that you know while we may not agree on everything we should still be able to sit down and move forward as you know people who care about the the state of delaware right um and that's critical 
I think when it comes to media's role in it a little bit deeper, um, I always look at it, you know, I, I was always taught that while I may have good skills at bringing people out, mobilizing people, um, breaking down policy, um, facilitating community conversations, um, it's looking to bring about what truly matters to the community, right? What matters to the person who really doesn't have enough time to sit on a committee hearing for two hours just to give public comment, right? Um, or who, you know, has the time to drive down to Dover from Wilmington, that 45 minute drive down there um, to for one simple meeting where you only get three minutes to speak, right? And now I make my time, you know, useful. I, I go to a few committee meetings while I'm down there. Um, but, you know, making sure that when we're bringing that information back, we're disseminating it in, in a great form. Um, and I know every single day there's reporters down there who are doing just that, um, who are working tirelessly to, to bring that information to the community. Um, but then also, hopefully, our, it's our legislators also paying attention to what's in the media and the reporters are going into the communities that are going to be impacted by policy and getting their perspective so that our legislators can hear ex exactly where people are going to be on things. Brian, where do you see you know ways to improve and strengthen the media in some of these ways that, that Kobe's talking about to, to make sure that people have the information they need to make informed decisions and, and try to, as he mentioned, build consensus? Yeah, I think one of the things that the media, specifically the media, can do is talk less about political parties and talk more about ideas. Um, a lot of times somebody will have, you know, in the media, it's common practice, put an R after somebody's name or a, or a D after somebody's name or say, you know, the Republicans did this or the Democrats did this. And I would like to see the media and in some places that's appropriate to do that. But in general, I would like to see the media start talking about ideas of, of ideas that are coming to the floor to be discussed, ideas that are coming to the committee uh, to be discussed and what those impacts are in, in the community. There's a general role in the media of, of Delaware uh, over the past uh, couple decades that for the General Assembly that a lot of bills will not be covered in the media unless until they reach the House floor. And the trouble with that general rule uh, that a lot of reporters follow is that that doesn't account for all of the bills that have been introduced, all of the bills that have went to committee. It only accounts for the ones that have gone on the House floor, which usually are only the ones that the majority at the time uh, approves that are going to go to the House floor. So at, at you know a few decades ago, we're only really Republican side of bills. Now it's really only Democratic side of bills. And what I'd like to see media do is start talking more about the bills that are in committee, regardless of whether they think they're going to pass or not, and start talking about the ideas behind those bills and how they can shape our community and what people think are positive about the bills, what people think are negative about the bills. Because at the end of the day, the dialogue surrounding these bills is what really is important. The dialogue of what can be helpful for our communities. And even if it's not that bill, there may be something within that piece of legislation that people can take forward and say, hey, this is a piece of it that we think can benefit our community that can help us move forward in this instance, whether it's healthcare or education or, or something else. But I would like to see more discussion on ideas, more discussion from, from the committees. And the committees are really where the, um, where the uh, members of, of the House and of the Senate really 
start to dissect these bills and start a lot of dialogue. And I think those are really the interesting things that can move us forward in positions where uh, we haven't we haven't really moved legislatively in, in, in quite some time. So I want to finish by pulling back a bit. And, and we've talked a lot, obviously, about the media today and, and its impact. And it's a big one. But there are other factors that influence democracy here in the first state and, and identity in the first state. That's changing demographics, changing economic and business climate, changing political landscape. And all these things also have an impact on the way people see Delaware and the way Delaware sees itself. Um, so I'm going to finish by asking each of you, is, is there a story or an area that you feel needs to be watched by the media and everyone uh, regarding the evolution of Delaware's identity and what it could mean to where the state is headed in the next five years? I think for me, uh, if you if you want to know the future of any city, any state, uh, you have to pay attention to its youth, right? Um, understanding where they're at and really being able to get to them early on um, will determine, you know, where we're going to go. I say it all the time that youth is the most important infrastructure that anyone can invest in. Um, that's going to be our, our workforce. That's going to be our next leaders. That's going to be our next, well, our leaders, where, whether it's political or business leaders, right? They're the ones who are going to keep the drive going. So making sure um, that you're centering around that and seeing, you know, where their ideas are going to be taking us soon. Um, I know, you know, we always talk about what's happening right now in a lot of these bills and legislations that are being passed um, truly are, are going to have an impact on today, but it's going to have an impact in 10 years, in 20 years, right? Um, so seeing, you know, seeing the reverse, right? So where where are our young um, Delawareans at right now? Where are they going to take us once they get there as well? Brian, how about you? Definitely investment in, in our youth uh, through universal pre-K and through mental health awareness, uh, putting, uh, you know, health healthcare providers or, or professionals within our elementary schools. I think that's something that definitely needs to be focused on. But another area which I've been very active in is looking at municipal voting rights. That's something that definitely needs to continue. Uh, a lot of people don't focus on it because um, I, I don't know if municipalities aren't aren't as uh, sexy of a subject as uh, <laughs> state lawmaking or, or people, uh, but, but municipalities, I was a former mayor, are, it's very impactful. It impacts people's daily lives. And uh, there's, there's a, a process right now where people have to register a second time in 45 out of 57 of our municipalities. So that's something that we've got to break that bipartisan, or we've got to break that polarization that's there in uh, the General Assembly. And, and Senator Lockman was one of them, uh, one of the individuals who did that this year. And I think that's going to be huge to, to look for moving forward as well. Kobe Owens, activist, organizer with the NAACP and a state representative, Brian Shoup, CEO of Delaware Live News Network. I want to thank you both for being with us on this latest edition of the More Perfect Union podcast. I appreciate your, your thoughts. I appreciate your time and I appreciate your insight and, and really having a, a really robust conversation here. Thanks so much. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you, Tom. Great, great discussion. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of the A More Perfect Union podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Delaware Humanities, a state affiliate of the National Endowment for the Humanities. Its mission is to strengthen communities by encouraging all Delawareans to be inspired, informed, and engaged through exploring the diversity of human experience. 
We thank the National Endowment for the Humanities for its support as part of its A More Perfect Union initiative, designed to demonstrate and enhance the critical role the humanities play in our nation, while supporting projects that help Americans commemorate the 250th anniversary of the Declaration of Independence in 2026. A More Perfect Union is produced by Delaware Public Media, Delaware's source for NPR News.